Hi. Mrs. Marlowe, yes? Harper, yes. Do, come in. The words I have to say. It's a beautiful house. Would it just be you staying? Excuse me? Mrs. Marlowe? No. Until you give your love, there's nothing more that we can do. Apple from the garden? Yeah, it was delicious. No, 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 no. Mustn't do that. Forbidden fruit. Oh, God, sorry, I... I I'm I, joking. I... Oh. <laughs> You're tormented. It feels more like... Haunted. Yeah. Something happened. My husband went upstairs to our balcony and let himself go. You must wonder why you drove him to it. Why I didn't drive him to it. I thought it'd be true. But if you had given him the chance to apologize, he'd still be alive. What? A man followed me out of the woods. He was stalking me. What makes you say that? I saw him twice. Twice? I don't know if he saw you once. <laughs> Wanna play a game? You hide, I'll see. You must feel an awful sense of guilt. Stay away from me. Welcome to the Strange Harbors podcast, a weekly discussion of film, television, and pop culture. My name is Jeff Sang, and tonight I'm joined by Amir Ture and Eric Wong. So tonight we are talking about Alex Garland's newest film, titled simply Men. This is not the first time we've covered Alex Garland on this podcast. We've talked about his television show from, wow, I guess it's two years ago already now. It was the 2020 show, Devs. In 2020, yeah. That was on FX. I think we were all a big fan of that show. I know I myself am a big Alex Garland fan. I like all the stuff that he's done. He started off as a novelist, actually, a sci-fi novelist. And he's done a lot of screenwriting before his directorial efforts. He's written 28 Days Later, Sunshine, 28 Weeks Later, Never Let Me Go, Dread. And then his three feature films have been Ex Machina, Annihilation, and now this year's Men, which we're going to be talking about tonight. Largely a big fan of his work. I mean, let's start talking about Alex Garland as a whole for a little bit. Do you guys like his stuff? It's not a huge body of work, but so far so good, right? I actually haven't seen Annihilation. I started, I liked it. But uh, he did also direct some of Dread, which is great. Did he direct some of that? I yes, feel like he, he did. did, right? Yeah. Yeah, he did. He's uncredited, but he kind of rescued it when it was floundering. Mm. So Dread, uh, which was great. Ex Machina, I really liked. Annihilation hadn't seen. And then there's Man and then Devs. Yeah, that's really about it, right? As far as directorial stuff. Yeah. As far as the writing, um, I actually didn't see The Beach, but 28 Days and 28 Weeks were both good. Mm hmm. Uh, Sunshine. Big fan of Sunshine. Yeah, I've heard that's excellent. I actually 
haven't seen Sunshine. I was just hearing something about it. Maybe because Michelle Yeoh's in it. Maybe that's why I was probably looking up her filmography. <laughs> yeah. What about you, Derek? Uh, generally, I love his work. Huge fan of Ex Machina. It's like one of my favorite movies of that year. Mm-hmm. Like you've said already, like we were, I think, all kind of big fans of devs. I really enjoyed that miniseries. I don't think enough people have seen it or have talked about it yeah. since it's come out. Um, Annihilation, I have seen. I don't know if I love it. Uh, <laughs> I, I do respect it. I think visually it is so creative and so beautiful to look at, but... I think my criticism is probably like a lot of other people's where I felt a little lost by the end of it. So I don't think I'm alone on that one. Oh, I like Annihilation more than Ex Machina, actually. Really? Wow. You really like Annihilation. I think it's his most complicated work, and I think it's his most confident and assured movie. But I do like his writing, too. I mean, I'm I'm a huge fan of 28 Days Later. I love the Dread movie. Yeah. I think it's so funny that I remember that came out really close to when the original Raid came out and like everyone was kind of talking about the Raid. But like it's a very similar kind of concept, right? Like a a person that has to scale this large building and get to the top and and make his way through Oh, it's just a ripoff of the Raid. But like I feel like they were developed concurrently. Yeah, they came out like the same year, the same summer, I think. So it's like... It's not even like a lofty concept or anything, right? So like it's totally possible they could have written those like Mm -hmm. in parallel and like nobody knew about the other so i feel like that criticism is overblown yeah 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 i I love dread dread is so much fun yeah dread's great um i haven't seen sunshine but i definitely should check it out Mm -hmm. going into this i was a a big big fan of his work so i I was very 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 excited to watch the new alex garland film it's funny because i think we all kind of dance around what we thought about men <laughs> so yeah i mean uh i was excited not just because of his reputation too but i also the trailer looked good right it looked creepy yeah it looks good it looked creepy it looked scary i was like okay this is gonna be good so i guess spoiler alert it seems like you guys didn't like it that much <laughs> did you not like it what'd you think amir all right i overall i liked it it's just that left turn at the end mm. for me Overall, it was enjoyable. Maybe the pacing was all the best in places, but it ended up being like creepy, and I liked the metaphor, and um, it was all fine up until the very end, where I was like, "Okay, I don't really know why this had to be added in." And I guess we'll talk about that. But otherwise, up through there, I was like, "Okay, this is mm-hmm. kind of a creepy, scary, weird like movie." What do you think, Derek? I'm curious what you think, Jeff. Oh yeah, <laughs> you want to know what I think? That's to Jeff. Yeah, this is a misfire, man. I did not like this Ooh. movie at all. I will agree with Amir that there's some great horror elements to it, and I think the first and second acts, to a certain degree, are pretty good. I was enjoying myself, but that third act is so awful to me. I think it's so, so bad. Well, I mean, we'll talk about about it when we get there, but I think the metaphor is completely flat, and for someone who's had so many complex works, you know, like in his direct stuff like Ex Machina, Annihilation. Ex Machina is like about AI and consciousness and what it means to be human and men controlling women. So many complex ideas in that movie and even more so in Annihilation, you know, just like the transformative power of grief and like biology and rebellion. And then this one is just basically men are bad, right? Men, am I right? <laughs> yeah, that's kind of, yeah. Right? <laughs> This metaphor is so, so flat. And, like, someone was making fun of Alex Garland, like, 
they made like a letterbox list of movies where it's just directors, male directors, proving that they're one of the good ones. And this was one <laughs> of the movies in it. And I kind of have to agree. And the other movie in that list was uh, Edgar Wright's Last Night in Soho, <laughs> 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 uh, which I also agree with. So I just think the metaphor is so flat. And I think that's like a trajectory where modern horror is going down that I don't like where the metaphor is like front and center instead of telling an actually good horror story where the metaphor is in its subtext. I think the new Candyman suffered from that a lot. And this movie kind of reminded me that. Interesting. I think I like this a lot more than the new Candyman, actually. Mm -hmm. I would say so. We'll talk about what parts I thought were really cringy and shallow. I think. What do you think, Derek? I don't think you told us what you thought yet. Yeah, I guess I've been holding back, but I mean, like, surprise, surprise, right? Another movie with fantastical nature, and um, <laughs> maybe you guys can guess where I'm going with this, but I kind of love this movie. Hey, all right. <laughs> not, not being sarcastic at all. Okay. I actually kind of like that third turn. I had to sit with it for a little bit, but... At first, it was very strange and very like, what the fuck is this? But then it turned into something where, yes, the metaphor is very much on its sleeve, I think, for this movie. But I think the turn and like that really kind of weird nature of the end kind of saved it for saved you. it for me. Yeah, it's not saved it for from me from being but like, like banal. Yeah, but it works for me. It actually works for me. So I'm very curious to kind of get into this because I, I'm happy yeah. that we're not all on the same side. I, yeah, I, I had the opposite reaction sort of from both of you. Like that first half I liked and then when it made the, the change, I was like, oh, I, I don't know if I like that third act thing so much. So, hmm. Okay, so do you want to talk about what this movie is about a little bit? Give a synopsis. Just a little synopsis, yeah. Men is a pretty simple story. It follows... This woman named Harper, played by Jesse Buckley. Love Jesse Buckley, by the way. Yes. All right. So okay. Good. First of all, all the actors in this movie are innocent, I think. <laughs> I think they're <laughs> all very good, and they do the most that they can with the script that they have. They're all very good in this, I think. So Harper, she's taking a holiday in the small village after her husband's apparent suicide. Mm -hmm. And while she's grappling with her grief and maybe some guilt over what she perceives to be her hand in her husband's death. She rents out this little cottage in the countryside and she runs into the owner of the property. His name's Jeffrey, played by Rory Kinnear. And basically, she's just terrorized by all these guys in the village, and they're all played by Rory Kinnear. Mm -hmm. That's basically the entire gist of this movie, which is very interesting and i think they did a good job with it until the end because i was a little worried it's like oh you know like just all men are just bad and like it's just different flavors of misogyny by all these characters played by rory kinnear it's so obvious and on the nose which it is to a certain extent but that i could actually swallow and i thought that they did an okay job until the third act of this movie but yeah so there's a cop played by Rory Kinnear, the property owner, Jeffrey. Um, there's also this psychotic naked man that is stalking her throughout the property and through the woods, also played by Rory Kinnear. There's a kid version of Rory Kinnear with weird CGI. It's not great. 
deep fake. It's not great. Uh, plastered over his kid body. Um, there's also this uh, priest um, at the local church who's also played by him. Yeah, basically it's all different. Yeah, there's also a little bit of folk horror sprinkled into it. And then in the end, it's full on bonkers body horror stuff. Mm-hmm. It's usually right up your alley, man. I'm a little surprised you didn't like that ending. Ooh. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think we can go anywhere else without just talking about it. So let's talk about it. What didn't you like, Jeff? Because we, we've been circling around this. So we, yeah, we, we're we going to talk about the ending right now? We have I to. Think yeah. so. I think we have to, yeah. So I think we're going to have to like kind of spoil the ending of this movie a little bit. Okay, uh, so not a little bit, alert. all of it, all of it. <laughs> <laughs> so where do you guys want to start? You guys want to start with actually, like her getting back to the house, right? And like her being basically chased throughout the house is that kind of where mm-hmm. this all starts or do you want to start earlier jeff is up till there still act two for you like is all that's still fine like i want you to start at the part where you're like oh this is turning i think the part where it flashes back to james's suicide or his death i think that's when it kind of started to sour when you actually me. see his body on the ground you mean uh well yes the whole segment leading up to that i just thought that it was pretty shallow and just Really, what are you trying to say about this relationship that they have? Other than that, he's like abusive and gaslighting into her, thinking that it's her fault that he killed himself. I mean, basically, I thought that they were going to have more interiority to these characters, and they just never got there and made them convincing enough for any of the stuff in the final act to land, I think. Um, And then the final act is just off the walls, bonkers, 500% more birthing than i expected out of this movie <laughs> <laughs> yeah um, absolutely so yeah to speak to that first i mean so one of the mechanics of this movie is that we flash back to this incident of when jesse's husband basically kills himself right and mm-hmm. you know there's allegations of like hey if you divorce me i'm gonna go kill myself basically trying to you know gaslight her uh also there's an instance where he strikes her right in the face right um mm-hmm. the, all the pieces are there like if you watch throughout early in the movie she has a bloody nose she has blood on her shirt previous to like us learning that so you are already tailored to see where this is going but if you don't notice then yeah it's like this shocking moment where like he hits her right in the face uh he kicks her out and the next thing you know it's all played out of sequence but then the next thing that happens is that he jumps off the or falls. I guess the, or falls which is kind of a sketch, you know, from the balcony above and then falls to his death. That type of body horror was pretty gnarly. You know, we see that his foot is snapped, like his right foot is snapped. And then his left wrist is like basically impaled through the into this pipe. Yeah, it's railing, like, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Which I thought was like a crazy visual. Yeah, I don't disagree with that. I love stuff like that. And it plays into that final act, right? Um I think this image is something that you're supposed to remember because then it becomes relevant when we get into the third act. So you mentioned the slap. I mean, good on you for seeing the blood and stuff. I didn't see that. So I was actually Mm -hmm. shocked by the slap. I was like, oh, shit. I didn't think it was this kind of abuse. Like, it was clearly like an emotionally abusive relationship, but I didn't think it descended to anything physical. And then she does say, oh, yeah, it was the only time he did it, blah, blah, blah. But And and then it kind of twisted a little bit in that you think he's committed suicide the whole time. Then it's kind of unclear. Was he trying to climb down from the balcony of the apartment above, or did he actually jump? I mean, they try to play up some ambiguity there, but, like, come on, it's not ambiguous. He killed himself, right? Like, he basically says, like, if you divorce me, I'm going to kill myself. 
right? Yeah, so I guess. I feel like any of the ambiguity there just goes out the window. People also sometimes just say stuff, especially someone who you know is trying to be manipulative. Like, maybe he didn't actually mean it. I don't know. I mean, I have no idea. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah. but the reason I, I credit the ambiguity, I guess, is because, like, Harper herself says it. Like, when she's recounting the story, she says, I still don't know whether he – and I don't know if that's, like, a guilt thing or, like, what exactly, but – I credit it because she says it that way. Like, I think if it was clearly that he killed himself, she'd be even more beating herself up about it. Mm -hmm. I don't know. So Harper has a lot of different run-ins with all these different versions of the Roy Kinnear character, right? Mm -hmm. She has an earlier scene where the vicar, right, the priest accuses her. It's her fault that her husband killed herself. Uh, All right, that was one of the moments that worked for me Mm -hmm. um, because – that interaction starts off with the vicar being like supportive and mm-hmm. lending like a listening ear, like, you know, like how a vicar should be. And then it quickly turns where he's like, oh, it was your fault. Well, first he puts his hand on her leg mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. as if to comfort her, but it's also like uncomfortably sexual. Uncomfortable, right, yeah. right? Right, right, right. And she doesn't react initially then, but then he like kind of, yeah, at the end, he just turns the conversation into like how he can blame her for it right and yeah that totally worked for me he's he's incredibly like creepy and evil there that's yeah. really good and then she has a run-in with the kid version of the character which basically just calls her a stupid bitch it's just any derogative teenager so the teen although there's not a ton to say about him and his like weird like not great cgi it actually kind of worked for me like the creepiness of an adult face on a, like a kid body and the cgi not being quite right that kind of worked mm-hmm. for me i was like oh that's fucking weird I don't think it looks great, but I was like, oh, maybe that's intentional. No, no. And then, yeah, there's the Jeffrey character, right, who's the housekeeper, the landowner. It's basically like an Airbnb, right? She's kind of just mm-hmm. renting this house for like two weeks or whatever she says. There's a cop that arrests the man that is naked in front of her house that shows up in front of the Airbnb. I mean, there's that guy who who looks like the Rory Kinnear character who does this weird transformation throughout the whole movie, but we'll maybe get into that later. And then there's just like random people right at the bar that we see. That are just sitting there, like one looks like, like a, the townspeople, yeah, yeah, like one, one looks like a biker or whatever. <laughs> you know, it, they they don't really matter. But the end of this, I guess, the third act is all the different versions are chasing her through this Airbnb and and through the outside of the house. And I, I don't know, it, it's it's strange because throughout the whole movie we see them as separate individuals, but then at the end they are one individual that seem to interchange and like be the one that she needs to confront at the moment right um Mm -hmm. whether it be the naked guy who's this kind of primordial man right versus when that person needs to be the jeffrey character versus when that character needs to be the vicar versus the kid right i'm curious what doesn't work about this third act for you guys i guess let's get into that okay first of all if you want to parallel this you can parallel this with annihilation right because it's got Mm -hmm. this big weird final set piece where things just go haywire And I think for Annihilation, there's a complexity there where you don't know what's going on. And Mm -hmm. there's multiple interpretations of that ending. It's like the mutagenic power of grief and like, you know, biological change. And it's these threads coming together in this crazy doppelganger type ending for Annihilation, where there's so many different ways you can read this. But then in Men, there's nothing there. Like, what are you trying to say? Okay, so should we just say it? Yeah, he gives go. birth to more versions of himself, yes. like four or five times, and it's like these really graphic birthing scenes, which are pretty cool, actually. I do yeah. like the yeah, birthing man. stuff. It's, it's fucking cool. Gross. It's very gross, very cool. 
it's bold and people are like he doesn't come out as a baby he comes out no as like he comes as like an a full adult grown. man yeah, yeah. so and, and the final one he comes out of his own mouth yeah yeah it's super effective i like the imagery of it at least yeah but like the thing that doesn't work for me is that it's about like all the misogyny and like how it self-replicates and stuff like that it, that's basically all there is to it yeah and it hammers it home like so bluntly all the versions of the guy of Rory Kinnear they have the same injuries on them which are inflicted upon him while he's chasing Harper right mm-hmm. but they're also the same injuries that James sustains when he falls off the roof yes cuz his arm mm, goes through right, the yeah. the railing and he breaks his leg so i right. mean immediately i was like okay well i mean it symbolizes James's death, the power of his abusiveness, and then like the lingering aspects of the guilt that maybe she feels. But that's all there is to it. And then at the end, the final version of Rory Kinnear that comes out is James. Mm-hmm. I let out a huge groan when he showed up. I was like, <laughs> come on, man. Like, you don't need to spell that out for us. And I don't know. And then like this whole folk horror thing didn't really work for me. I don't want to, like, wag the finger too much, but it seems a little problematic to me where, like, the folk horror makes all the misogyny and, like, the abuse primal and innate in, like, the nature of men instead of, like, chosen, right? It's just like, oh, that's just the way men are and that's the Mm. way that it's always going to be. It seems like something primordial and not something chosen by abusers, you know what I mean? And and I feel like that's a very shallow interpretation of... It's feminist themes, I feel. Mm-hmm. I didn't take that from the, the folk horror bits at all, but I didn't really know how to interpret those, to be honest. I guess there's this... Yeah, I feel like they were just thrown in there, there's too. These, like, yeah, what does this, this have to do? interstitial sort of shots of, like, this altar that's in the church, and there's some images of, uh, you know, the guy's face on the front and a female creature. Mm-hmm. Writing it's like a vulva hanging out. <laughs> yeah. Which is, I guess, what Roy Kinnear's character turns into at the very end before he starts giving birth to the other things. Right, right. So, like, the whole thing was so straightforward up till then, and then it takes this left turn. I just don't know what to do with that as far as the themes of the movie. Like I said, it looks cool, but I just don't know where to fit it in with all the other stuff the movie was trying to say. Now I'm just like, why did you introduce this feminine replication of the misogyny right like why did he have to turn into a yeah. woman to birth himself he couldn't have done it out of his dick or out of his asshole or out of his mouth or something i, feel like, I don't know he like, didn't think that through it's like okay like are you trying to say that women also perpetuate misogyny and patriarchy okay that's fine but like it just seemed to kind of just confuse the point for me it didn't know. seem intentional for me actually maybe yeah i just didn't know what to do with it he was thinking about like the perpetuation of misogyny and all that stuff, but he didn't really think about the implication of portraying that as, like, a feminine birth or something. Like, he was like, oh, what's, like, the most outlandish way I can, like, portray yeah. this, right? And yeah, I feel like he didn't really literal. think... Yeah. yeah. Interesting. Um, Maybe it was a screw-up, I don't know. I was just a little disappointed, because I feel like he's definitely a little more delicate than that when it comes to his other projects, especially stuff like Annihilation and especially Devs, right? So many different layers to those stories that I just thought weren't present in this. What did you want to say, Derek? If you look at Alex Garland's work, I think the idea of the male superiority is always kind of like on blast in a lot of his movies. Uh, mm-hmm. I mean, like you see it in Ex Machina, you see it in Annihilation, you see it in Devs, right? You know, men have God complexes, men think they can rule this world, and he likes to put that on blast. And it's not different, I think, in this movie. 
but I kind of read the last that turn right where the Rory Kinnear character is like giving birth to himself over and over and over as more of a, an indictment on like abuse and their relationship. I mean, yes, the movie clearly puts the blame on him. The James character is no saint. It is wholly his fault the way the situation turned out. So yes, in the end, it's like, he's a man. I think it worked for me more because I read it more, like I said, an indictment on abuse and and trauma and the cyclical nature of it. How I think, you know, you hear stories of people that are in traumatic relationships. It's hard for them to like, even their relationships moving forward, they cannot seek, but like they somehow end up in those same relationships, right? Like, I think there's a point where she says that they were separated, not fully divorced. So that means at a point they did separate but then choose to get back together. And then now she wants a divorce, right? So I think that kind of speaks to her relationship too, like her relationship to this James character, like, how do you get out of it? Like, how do you not keep returning to this person that is both emotionally and now also physically abusive to her, right? And I think it is this story about having to take it upon herself, that's why I think I like the ending because it isn't subtle. It is so obvious, like what happens to her. Like he doesn't show what happens to the James character, but you fully understand what happens, right? Like at the end, she's holding that axe. And then when her friend shows up, she has a smile, right? Like, you know what she did. And she, I think, doesn't regret what she does, right? Like it's kind of like that catharsis that I think that character needs to move on from this relationship. Yeah. Or at least that's what I read from this. I had an opposite reaction, Jeff, to the whole like James thing. Like when I saw the split in the arm, I was like, okay, that's kind of weird. But then when I saw the broken leg, that's when it really clicked for me. I was like, oh, Mm. when are we going to see the James version come out, right? Like I was like, once we started seeing it, yeah, I was anticipating it. And when we did see it, I was like, oh, it all kind of clicks. I think that's why it works for me because it's all don't do it. Don't do it. Don't do it. And then they did it. I was like, no. I was fully expecting it. So like when I saw it, it's like, okay, it clicks. I wasn't anticipating it. So I guess uh, you guys have one up on me there. All right. I mean, I don't mean this as a knock on you, Derek. No, yeah, But it just seems like you like the movies to be not ambiguous, right? You like to be able to like grasp the metaphors in like one sitting where I kind of like things where they don't really tell you what they're going for because like the breaking of the cycle of abuse and like the perpetuation of violence I feel like that's like the easy and only reading of this yes third yeah. act right so like even though he tries to play it off as like you don't know what happens like you you know what happens yeah right? like, I, and that's what I don't like and that's what you like am, am I correct in that yeah I guess, yeah. We're just different that way. <laughs> I, I just like that I can come up with the conclusion and like I could feel satisfied by it. I don't like it when a movie is like overly ambiguous. Like a good example is like Inception, right? I feel like it's ambiguous, but no one's wrong. You can think that the top will keep spinning or you can think the top stops, right? And like I think the movie lays out where you can like have your own answers, your own solutions, but still be ambiguous, right? I don't like it when it's like overly ambiguous and I'm like, what did I just watch? Is there an answer? Like, I'd like to be able to formulate some kind of answer. I guess it's my thing usually. See, I don't really like that. <laughs> yeah, I know. I know. We're different. We're different in that way. I mean, I do like the Inception ending, but like the thing with Inception is that it's binary, right? It's either mm-hmm. he's dreaming or he's not. And mm-hmm. I feel like that ambiguity is a little half-baked. Yeah. I think it's fine. I think it's a perfectly nice ending mm-hmm. to ask that question. 
but he's either dreaming or he's not. But I prefer things to have me think more about what I just watched. And like, maybe I can't formulate what to take away from it until like multiple viewings. I really do enjoy that aspect of movies, especially like sci-fi and horror. Can I ask, what did you think of the Ex Machina ending? Because I think he lays that out to be ambiguous, but then it's like this. It's not ambiguous to me at all. Yeah, I mean, no, I'm not saying I only like ambiguous endings, you know, but like I specifically do not like the brand of crafting metaphor that takes the front seat over the Mm -hmm. story like in this movie. There's nothing ambiguous about the ending of Ex Machina, right? Ava escapes. Mm -hmm. What's his name is trapped. Yeah, Caleb is stuck in the well he's stuck in nathan's complex he's gonna probably starve to death nathan's dead yes there's nothing ambiguous about that Mm -hmm. that's not a problem that i have with the movie but when you're talking about something like men where i feel like it's pretending to be something that's so what the fuck but when in the end it's very very shallow and it only has one thing to say right which is what you were talking about with like the cycle of abuse and and the misogyny and stuff I just feel like there's nothing else there to to chew on. That's fair. That's, no, that's, that's where I have fair. the where that's where I have the problem. And mm-hmm. I think that's the direction a lot of these horror movies are going, where the message overtakes the actual horror and the storytelling. Right? Like the new Candyman, um, especially when compared to the original, you know, flattened out that metaphor. You know, there was like the mystique and the seduction, and Candyman didn't only kill white people in that movie. That adds ambiguity and like something to really latch onto and like try and dissect about the power of mythology and stuff. And they just turned him into a racially avenging angel of some sort, which mm-hmm. I definitely didn't like. Yeah. I know, Amir, you kind of agree with me on that um, when we talked about that movie. Um, and then like stuff like the new Texas Chainsaw Massacre, it's just so obviously about like gentrification and Gen Z and their technology. Even though that movie did have a nice actual Texas Chainsaw Massacre. <laughs> but you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But there were things I liked in this movie. I I, yeah. I, I do want to talk more about th- those things too. Do you guys have any more thoughts on this ending? I mean, part of the ending, I guess, is like that very hard scene for me to watch of him getting his arm split when he like shoves his hand through yeah. the mailbox slit uh, and then she stabs it and then he just he pulls the arm pulls through. his arm through for like a whole minute and i was just like what are we watching here yeah it's pretty gnarly it's, I like it that. was gnarly there's some good <laughs> horror stuff in this movie there is yeah that didn't even mess me up that bad because it kind of looked so fake yeah i kind of wish they did it practically with like a model arm or something you know because mm-hmm. like i don't know the cgi on that just didn't work for me but it's gnarly imagery for sure i wanted to ask you guys what you guys thought of the end and i guess after i saw you know the whole james character come out of the end result of all the birthing like i was kind of convinced like this is all just in her fucking head right like this is something that she's having some kind of emotional thing going or something and then to figure out that it was actually real I don't know how I do feel about that. So I did have a thought about that because like, you know, you are kind of wondering how much is real, how much is not. Like, she's not interacting with all the copies of Rory Kinnear as if they're copies of Rory Kinnear, right? She doesn't go, oh, you look exactly the fucking same Mm -hmm. as everybody else in this fucking village. What the fuck is going on? Right? Which is kind of a moment I was expecting her to have. 
mm-hmm. uh, which she never does. So I guess, I don't know, is this just a metaphorical sameness? You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I don't really know. But I did have that same thought of, hey, how much of this reveal, what exactly is going on in the quote-unquote reality of the movie? But, like, her friend shows up, and you do see those blood stains, right? And she does see yeah. her sitting there with the axe and everything. So I think the purpose of the friend is to confirm, like, yeah, this did happen. And I think mm-hmm. that that is a metaphor for, like, needing another woman around to stop you from being gaslit by all the men. <laughs> like, it's like, oh, okay, I'm not You crazy. need someone to confirm people, all the yeah, things right, that like, you're... Oh, yeah. these people okay. were, like, I thought these people were all being sexist to me. I'm like, oh, yeah, they actually are. I'm not fucking losing it. Like, she's there to confirm that reality. Um, so I, I, I did think the friend was interesting, like, just to have someone mm-hmm. there who, first of all, you have to do this thing where cell phones don't work or else you can't really have horror anymore in 2022. Mm-hmm. Um, so you have yeah. to find a way for <laughs> cell phones to somehow not work. And then, you know, but yeah, I, I, that's what I thought the purpose of that was there at the end. No, that's a good read, yeah. I feel like if these things didn't actually happen, then, like, this movie's even more problematic, right? Yeah. No, yeah. <laughs> um, it's like, true. oh, yeah. women be crazy. They're just imagining <laughs> things. Like, this movie's just gaslighting the character itself, too, you know? Yeah, that's true. No, I mean, I think you're supposed to do yeah. this. It's happening. Um, no, that's a good read. Yeah, I, I definitely I, I agree with you on that one. I, I just, I liked the central metaphor of, of all the dudes being Rory Kinnear. I thought that was great. I thought it was super creepy and weird. And it's super yeah, creepy. Yeah, it's very yeah. on the nose. But I liked that, like, like, you have, like, the different versions of misogyny guy. Like, you've got, like, I don't know, yeah. this nice guy, Jeffrey, who, like, you think is cool until he turns out to be, like, uh, just like everybody else. Uh, you've got, you know, the cop and his, like, refusal to take you seriously or help you. Like, I liked all the different weird versions. Uh, the weird guy in the woods, which I guess is like that primal folk. I don't really know exactly what to do with that guy. Yeah. I don't know why he blows leaves in her face or pollen in her face at some point? Yeah. I, like, what was that? I thought you were supposed to be scary, bro. Like, why are you, why are we blowing flowers at each other? Like, what's happening? Uh, I was like, Really worried that, uh, am I getting this reference right? Like a mother thing where like she was going to be the one giving birth because he like blows something. Yeah, at, like, like is it like pollen yeah, or something? Yeah, like, yeah. A, it's like, yeah, it's like a pollen instead of semen. Yeah, I get where you're thinking that. Yeah. Yeah, I was like, mm, I don't know if I like where this is going. And then it kind of threw me for a loop when the Roy Kinnear character is the one who starts giving birth. So I was like, <laughs> okay, all right. This is not where I was expecting it to go, but okay. I do like that. Looking back at it now, recognizing that all these different versions of Rory Kinnear are probably the different sides of James, right? Like that adolescent kid who just calls her a bitch, right? Or like the the vicar who's basically gaslighting her, right? Like he does in the apartment. Like I know it's super obvious, but like kind of looking back at it, like that helps to add a little bit of layers for me too. Kind of I would have liked it. to draw that conclusion myself mm-hmm. without rory kinnear giving birth to james <laughs> yes right <okay. laughs> i i did not need that you know like yeah. i got that on my own and like you don't need to mm-hmm. have james show up in the end again to tell me that right yeah but things i liked about this movie the beginning of this movie is good i like the beginning of this movie i like the first half a lot of the horror elements worked even without going into like the body horror stuff that we talk about in the end of the movie i love the tunnel sequence Mm-hmm. There's just something just creepy enough about it that I really, really liked. You know, her humming the tones through the tunnel and they're echoed back to her. I think that was like featured heavily in the trailer. I really liked the filmmaking of that and I thought yeah. that was very creepy. And I was like, hmm, 
maybe he knows what he's doing here and like there's something interesting going on and like there's something interesting with the filmmaking here and then i was even more impressed with the home invasion sequence where the the naked guy tries to break in her house when she's on the phone and like she doesn't notice but like he's in the background like crawling mm-hmm. around and like he's around all the corners and like all the nooks and crannies of the negative space in the in the window that's fucking fantastic i really really like that mm-hmm. but then other stuff just didn't work for me yeah i thought the demons in the phone sucked i thought that was stupid what? <laughs> she's you on the phone like, with her yeah. friend oh, and then like, like, yeah. goes, like what why yeah. <laughs> uh, i feel like that didn't add anything to the movie mm-hmm. i think that was just probably alex garland trying to inject a scare where you didn't really need one. Because mm-hmm. what is that? Is that that's not Rory Kinnear? That's like some other shit. I don't know what it is. What are you trying to say with that? Right? It doesn't fit tonally with the movie. Yeah, but I liked all the nature imagery too. Mm-hmm. Like Alice Garland's so good at filming that kind of like vegetation and stuff. Oh my god! Yeah, so good in Annihilation, and then in Ex Machina, he did it too. Like to compare and contrast with like how sterile the Compact, Nathan's right. complex is. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Yeah, I I loved all that stuff. Okay, so Garland actually reminds me of like another filmmaker, not necessarily in style, uh-huh. but he reminds me a lot of Damien Chazelle actually. Where Damien Chazelle oh, Interesting. He he does a lot of movies revolving around a very same kind of central theme, right? For Damien Giselle, it's a lot about what's the price you pay for the things you want, mm. right? Like whether right, it be right, right. fame, love, or going to the fucking moon. You know what I mean? Yeah, um, yeah. La La Land, First Man, Whiplash, they're all about that. Mm-hmm. That's a good uh, through line for all his movies. And it seems like Garland is kind of the same. Like he, he does have this very contentious tone with dudes, right? Like I've already kind of mentioned it, right? Men are not always looked in the highest light in his movies. And is it strange that it's a man, I mean, you joked about it, right? Like, it's a man telling that story, right? Telling that kind of perspective about, like, other men and, like, we're just men and we're, like, not the greatest. Where, I don't know, I've I've kind of heard this narrative or heard this kind of question kind of popping around. Like, is it more suited for somebody else to be telling these kind of stories? I I don't know if you guys, like, have ever thought about that or, or have any kind of opinion on that. Well, I don't know. I feel like Ex Machina and men are probably in that same vein. I don't know if Annihilation is that. Which man in that is, like, the problem? Like, Oscar Isaac? He's not enough of a character for... I think the fact that it's even just having a statement about women dealing with their own trauma. Like, there are no men in this movie. Like, it is, like, such a female-centric story where he likes to tell female-centric mm, absence, The of absence men. of men Mm-hmm. Is itself a commentary on yes. gender and annihilation. Okay, yeah, that's fair. Yeah. The anti-Michael man. <laughs> the anti-Michael man. Yeah, like, I'm really curious because, like, I think we're doing Top Gun next week, right? And, mm-hmm. like, I haven't seen it. I know you have, Jeff, but I'm pretty sure I'm going to be going in that with a very dude-centric kind of mentality, right? Oh, you should or be I- because that is yeah. exactly what that movie is like. So. Exactly. Like, I think it's going to be a really interesting contrast to watch like this film. And then I'm going to be watching that film in a couple of days. So mm. I, it's funny. I was listening to an interview Alex Garland did and he like he was basically asked this question, like, are you the person to be telling these stories? And he's basically kind of just says, like, I mean, I think any person could tell any story, right? Like, 
Yeah. It's just Good how on. you tell a story, right? It's not necessarily like you don't Do you mean that like a woman should be making these movies instead? Some people might think that, right? Like if you're telling a female centric story or you're telling especially something like this a story about like women trauma, like should you be a man telling the story, right? Like I didn't think so before, but now that he's made this movie, maybe. <laughs> 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 yeah, but like his answer is basically like anyone could tell a story, it's just you have to tell it right. Like he, he did his best to research and or like make sure he was telling it in the right tone and like I think it's also well known that he works with his his actors, right? His he mm-hmm. calls collaborators, right? Like especially like Natalie Portman, he worked a lot with in Annihilation and my understanding is he worked with like Jesse Buckley to kind of refine this character and refine the story mm-hmm. while it's still being filmed. So like, I mean, I guess I don't have a problem with it. Maybe I guess Jeff, maybe you, you do a little bit, but uh, <laughs> yeah, I just wanted to kind of like bring that up. I don't know if you guys had any thoughts about it, but I mean, I think it's something to think about. Like that's definitely something I'm going to be thinking about next time I watch like an Alex Garland film now. Right. Yeah. I think the only way in which that's like a reasonable criticism is like maybe there aren't enough women being able to like tell these kind of stories as far as like an mm-hmm. industry employment like labor question like who gets access to uh, the microphone or to sit in the director chair or whatever like on that level i think so but i, I think yeah. i just disagree if you say like only x people only, should yes. be telling mm-hmm. x story mm-hmm. like yeah. you're supposed to be using your art to like reach across these like demographic lines that divide us and tell stories about other people and with other people mm-hmm. and it's just very I feel like it's very short set to be like, oh well Alfred Garland shouldn't make this movie because of man. That's just stupid. Yeah. I think what it boils down to is like I also agree that, you know, anyone can tell any story. But when you're telling a story not about yourself, about like, you know, whether it's people of color or women or like other marginalized groups, like you can do that, but you have a responsibility to those people Absolutely. to tell those mm-hmm. stories well, right? Mm-hmm. I yeah, I think that's basically what it is, right? Yeah. Like, involve those people in the process. Like, if you don't know about, like, the subject or you don't know intricacies or, like, how to navigate, like, certain terrains that comes with being a person like that, uh, a woman or a minority, then you need to have, like, you know, screenwriters or, like, like a consultant on the movie or just, just make sure that you're responsible um, for your own storytelling to... Mm-hmm. To be able to tell those stories in the right way. Uh, I think that's basically what that is. I mean, you joked about it earlier, Jeff, a little bit, but like you're kind of right where it's if you tell it bad, that's when people are going to get mad, right? Or that's when people are going to be like, wait, hold on a second. But if you tell it well, if you're responsible about it, if you, you know, have others that have put input into it, like I think it's fine, right? Like this didn't bother me. Like I'm, I'm a fan of Alex Garland. Like I don't think the way he tells his stories is um, there's anything wrong with it. I think he does put the care that is necessary for his films. There's also like some like revisionist stuff going around, which I think is, you know, just like Twitter echo chamber where a couple of loud voices are being blown out of proportion. And now everyone thinks like it's gospel. They're like, Oh, Alex Garland made like a bad movie. He's been shit this entire time. He's he's always fucking sucked. Mm. And I really don't like that way of thinking. Are people saying that? Like, yeah, people are like, Oh, he's always been trash or whatever. Like, come on, man. Is, is men that, bad that people have changed their entire opinion on this guy uh some people really don't like this movie <laughs> i don't know i did all right i mean i don't know i'm just uh i guess audiences hate it i'm just checking rotten tomatoes 43 percent audience score 75 tomato meter i don't know yeah I, I feel like the audience score isn't really about how ham-fisted the metaphor is it's more about the imagery of the ending 
Which I feel like is the wrong lesson to take because I fucking yeah. love weirdo shit like that. It's so fucking cool. I just thought that there was nothing underneath it, which is my problem with it. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I think a lot of critics that I follow and respect, I feel like they didn't really like this movie. I didn't read their reviews because I, I saw this movie like two weeks ago. I'm glad that I came out not liking it and other people are reinforcing my opinion. <laughs> I I'm just not one of those people. Seem justified. <laughs> I mean, you're free to like this movie. I don't. I don't care if you like it. It's just I was not a fan. Uh, of yeah, absolutely. How it I told understand. the story. That's mm-hmm. that's all. I was actually a little surprised, like in myself, I guess, that you liked it. Okay, I wasn't expecting to not like it, but like I had this like weird feeling, like midway through the movie, I was like, I don't know if I'm going to like this movie. <laughs> but then it turned out I was like, I was okay with it. Look, I don't love it. I don't think this is like my favorite Alex Garland thing. You know, um, I, I think I still love. Like Ex Machina more. I think I still love Debs more um, as two things that and you, love you know he's done. Annihilation more. <laughs> I honestly have to rewatch Annihilation. <laughs> like I said, I remember that so visually stunning and like such a great movie to to watch. But I have to rewatch it. I don't want to say anything, uh, Jeff. <laughs> <laughs> um, is there anything else you guys want to bring up? No, oh, I think that's it. Short and sweet episode on. Alex Garland's men. All right. Well, if that is all, I think that will conclude this week's podcast. Jeff, where can people find more of your work? You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Strange Harbors. And you can also find me on my blog at strangeharbors.com. What about you guys? Uh, You can find me not giving birth to multiple copies of myself because I think just one's enough. (laughs) What what about you, Derek? You can find me at the world's okayest photos. And then you can find another version of me at (laughs) Screen Asians Guild. Uh, on both on instagram but if you like this podcast the easiest way to support our podcast is to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts whether it be apple Podcasts, spotify stitcher or any of the other popular podcast app if you're listening to us on apple podcast or spotify please do us a favor and give us a great rating it really helps to get our podcast out to more people yeah if you have questions comments suggestions on our episode on alex garland's men feel free to shoot us an email at jeff at strangeharbors.com we like getting listener mail and sometimes we Read it out on the pod. So feel free to do that. And we will see you guys next week for Top Gun Maverick. See you guys next week. See you then. See you guys then.